This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I am Glenn the Geek. And I am Coach Jen, and we are coming to you from Farm Lane Campground in Michigan. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 11th, episode 2744. This episode is brought to you by State Line Tack. Good morning, Horse World. Well, good morning, everybody. Jamie is called out sick today. Actually, (laughs) her son is sick today, so she was off to the doctor. We hope all is well there. Hopefully, she'll let me know later how that went. He just started going back to school on Monday, so that probably means he got the crud. Whatever whatever school crud is going around. Doesn't take long, does it? So Jennifer was kind enough to join me here in the RV. We're sitting on the couch recording. Uh, and it, w- this is the first time, I think, on this trip that we're alone. Everybody, well, we'll talk a little bit about the campground we're at, but everybody's deserted us. We're all by ourselves. Everybody else has taken their horses and gone home. That's right. Well, we're going to talk about on today's show what's been happening in the last couple of days since we left Lexington, Kentucky. You heard all about that on Monday. And uh, we have some interviews uh, for you from various listeners that we met up here in Michigan. So we have the Michigan listeners this episode. Michigan contingent. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about Sweet Itch with... uh, Dr. Masala. Yep. Yep. Who uh, Jennifer got to catch up with. And this is... Really an in-depth look at Sweet Itch. Yes, this we, we recorded this a little while back, but Dr. Marsala is sort of the, she is the Albert Einstein of Sweet Itch. So this is a really great research-based chat that we had with sort of the latest and greatest on what Sweet Itch is and how best to deal with it. Very good. And that is something, of course, that uh, most of us have to deal with at one time or another in Florida every day. Well, of course, it's birthdays today, and we have a bunch of auditor birthdays. Clover Specklin, uh, Spelkin, Spelkin, I'm going with Spelkin, uh, Rachel Sawinski, Betty Fay, Shelly Billings, and anyone I missed over the weekend because we didn't do them on Monday. So <laughs> that's, uh, I'm going to cover everybody with that. And now it's Jennifer's turn. <laughs> My daily winnie goes out to Auditor Marie because Auditor Marie let me use her horse yesterday on our trail ride, Goldie, Goldie the Golden Palomino, and yeah, and that was fun. We had I had a great time on Goldie. I got to ride in Lynn's saddle because I didn't drag a saddle along on this trip, and my second winnie goes to Lynn for letting me use her saddle. (laughs) And we're going to talk more about the trail ride and everything that we've been doing up here in Michigan uh, in just a minute, but. First, we're going to hear from our title sponsor for the Roadshow, Kentucky Performance Products. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. 
her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability, Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. So we had a great weekend in Lexington with Jamie, and Jamie was flew in from Oklahoma, and of course, Karen from Kentucky Performance Products had us over, uh, and Reese Koffler Stanfield uh, let us stay at her beautiful Maplecrest Farm. So we, we had a great time over the weekend with that, and uh, then we drove Tuesday up here. It took about eight hours to drive through Ohio. Uh, we got hung up a couple times, and it was raining this, the whole way. This but... was the first leg that we came across any significant delays, but they weren't too bad. No, they weren't too minutes. bad. What was really weird about it, though, I was starting to feel a little paranoid. Both times they were minor accidents, no injuries that we're, we're aware of. They literally happened a quarter of a mile ahead of us. Right, right in front of us. Right yeah. in front of us. That And that was a little bit weird. And it was the first day that we've been traveling that we actually had rain and storms. We we haven't yes. seen rain this entire trip. It did, well, it's it been going it. around, knock on something. We've had the best weather. And we're not known for having good weather when we travel. We're known for bringing all kinds of natural disasters. But so far, knock on something, <laughs> we're doing pretty good with that. Uh, hey, we, hey, before we get to go much yeah. further, you, you missed a birthday. I did? You did. It was in the spreadsheet. Therefore, you didn't see it oh, because didn't you don't read it. the yeah, spread, don't spreadsheet. Read yeah. We have to give a belated birthday to auditor Madison Tillman Harkins, who emailed me, uh, Jennifer Horse Radio Network Complaints Department. Oh, she did? <laughs> that I missed her birthday? That we missed her entrance into the auditor's group, as well as her birthday. Oh, sorry about that. a little that. bit put out. Oh, I'm so. sorry about that. And if I'm not your friend on Facebook, then I won't see it. So right. keep that in mind. So Madison Tillman Harkins... If you do not have your invite into the auditor's super secret fantastic Facebook page yet, email Jennifer at Horse Radio. I just look for HRN auditors on Facebook and we'll let you in. Yeah. And thank you for joining the auditor group. We appreciate that. We met some of them this weekend. It's fun. Yeah. So uh, we met some this weekend and we also met some yesterday when we got to Michigan. Marie, Auditor Marie, booked us. In, all of us, uh, there were about eight trailers here, into Farm Lane Campground near the Waterloo Recreation Area. That's a 20,000-acre uh, recreation area in the lower peninsula of Michigan. It's the largest one. It's the largest state park here. And it has camping options, 11 in, inland lakes, an awesome trail system, and which Jennifer got to try out a little bit. Uh, but I did get to catch up with Marie yesterday and talk a little bit about this area. She lives about a half an hour from here, so let's hear from her. Well, I have sitting with me now the person that made all this happen in the HR and Trail Ride Michigan edition. Marie, <laughs> our auditor and fellow cruiser for the all the cruises. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you guys went out today. There's a group of about <laughs> 10 people, I think, went out today and trail riding in beautiful Michigan here. T tell us, we're in water, Waterloo. Waterloo Recreation Area in Grass Lake, Michigan, yeah. And what, what, what is Waterloo? 
Well, it's it's about 20,000 acres of public land. And we have about, I don't know, about 30 miles, 40 miles of trails, horse trails that are designated horse trails. So there's one private horse campground and one public horse campground. And the private one, which is Farm Lane, which is what we're at, has electric. And, so, and water. Yeah, and water. <laughs> so Hence. we can take showers. <laughs> Yeah, and air conditioning. <laughs> so, Marie, uh, thank you for putting this together and for having us out. You're welcome. This is our northernmost stop of all five <laughs> weeks here in Michigan. And we were, you know, we wanted to get to Wisconsin too. And we have a lot of listeners over there that were very upset. And I want to go to Wisconsin because I love cheese. And Jennifer loves cheese. And we do want to go there sometime. But it was just too hard to get from Wisconsin to Michigan and make it all happen in the time we had. So, uh, And I don't do bridges, and the Mackinac Bridge at the top of the state didn't sound like much fun to me. So, yeah. It's a challenge with a trailer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it didn't sound much, like much fun. So you, I know you for se- several reasons. One, you're a listener. And you have been for, what, a long time? Yeah, a long time. But you've come down. You travel all over the country by yourself, a lot of times by yourself. You came to Florida by yourself. Yeah. With your rig and your horses. And you just trail ride everywhere. And you go for weeks at a time. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying it's to every see. girl's dream to just go. <laughs> and uh, your husband not interested, right? Yeah, I mean, we're going to South Dakota next week, and he's going along. But we have the motorcycle in the front stall of the trailer, so <laughs> so he'll be on one do. horse, and you'll be on the other. Yep. yep. And we, I have friends meeting me out there. But that's the great part about horse people is you can sit out and talk to somebody and then you're like oh well where are you going next and find the good campsites and so we're going to meet people out there and hopefully continue to go different places and find the and you kind of go to a different area each year like the the year you made your way down to florida you really had no idea what you were going to do in florida then you met people and it was oh it's great because and everyone's so friendly like i pulled in campground in the middle of the night there's people helping you back up and stuff you know and it was great but most horse campgrounds are like that you know but um yeah well I just kind of went down there I was gonna um you know just ride where I found cool spots and so now I can go look and find other cool spots and go explore more so I think this year is gonna be South Dakota and then maybe around Christmas time because I have a job that shuts down for a week in between Christmas and New Year's I'll go to Aiken or north of Aiken. That was really cool. Southern Pines area, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard about Southern Pines from you guys and Lynn. And so. Yeah, that'd be beautiful, actually, Christmas time. So, what prompted you to just do this, to just pack up and go and and to want to do this? (laughs) Well, I have a decent horse. I don't know. Jen might disagree with you today. (laughs) Jen's a little sore right now. How far did you go today? (laughs) We went 12 miles, and Jen rode my uh, quarter horse mare, Goldie, who I always say to everyone is great, and then she, like, senses the need to defy me, and (laughs) I hear Jen going, okay, Goldie, that's enough, you know, back there. Like, oh, God. You rode for a long time, too. Yeah, yeah. You were out for four hours. Yeah, Yeah, and and it's it's a challenge. It's mostly in the woods, so it was nice and cool and everything, but it was... Yeah, a long ride. We got to go to the water, so that was... Yeah, Jennifer has some videos of you riding through water and streams and stuff. Yeah, it's really, really pretty. I wish we could have gone 
Um, well, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Jennifer's not going to be able to get out of bed tomorrow. That's a lot. She she rides an hour, not four. So this is good practice for your endurance ride at the Biltmore, Jennifer. Yeah. Well, and not in her own saddle. So yeah, that, kudos. That, that makes a difference too. It does. Oh. It really Tons. does. Yeah, you just don't know where everything's at. So somebody else give people a piece of advice. How do they find horse campgrounds? What Do you have a uh, secret? Well, I listen to the Horse Radio Network, Glenn, <laughs> and they tell me all the good spots to go. <laughs> um, one of the sites, horsemotels.com. Yep. But mainly, I just sit and talk to people and find out the best spots, and then I stalk them on Facebook. And my good friend, Lynn, who... Bishop, who's also an auditor and was riding with us today, she does the same thing and she researches everything and we just find the most scenic places. So we like um, hills and up and down. And this was the place we're going. We can go to Mount Rushmore. So, Oh, really? Yeah. You're allowed to ride there? I... I assume not to the top. <laughs> I think so. I have this envision of us like riding up on the heads, uh, yeah, I, but I don't think that's gonna what's going to happen. You're going to come out of nose. <laughs> yeah. <at the> top. <laughs> It'd be like a national treasure. But yeah, I, I don't know. My expectations are probably a little bit different than what's going to happen, but it'll be a fun time no matter what. <laughs> So I I don't know. I hope we get out there. But you have a farm. Your farm's what? About a half an hour from here. Yep, in Saline. Yep. And you have a lot of sheep. A lot of sheep. A lot of tiny sheep. How are sheep to care for? What are they like to care for? Well, they're similar to horses in that they're born to find ways to die. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, all I do is keep them from not dying. Dying. <laughs> yeah. So it is like horses. So yeah, there's many different ways. It's like horses and children. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, I have about a hundred right now. Wow! And I That's have a lot of sheep's. Yeah, I have mini sheep and regular size sheep. Can you share a sheep? I cannot. You, you hire somebody for that. This is like the farrier thing. Yeah. Like, I could probably pull a shoe, but I much rather hire. Like, it's just <laughs> worth it to hire a good sheep shearer. And you know, we do all hundred of them at a time, so that makes a big difference. And Can you even sell the wool anymore or are you just giving it away? It's basically, it costs me more, to, it costs me four times as much to shear as the wool is worth. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so the only reason to shear is because you have to, basically. Exactly. Yeah. To keep them cool and, and clean. Yeah. And the, interestingly enough, the shears won't take the black wool. I have some black sheep, the mini sheep come in really? black and red. Because they can't dye it. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to dye. But the knitters love it. So I've been Facebook selling wool. During <laughs> <laughs> COVID time. for know? some reason. <laughs> yeah. I can just picture it. <laughs> so now you also are a fellow cruiser, as I mentioned earlier, and you're going, you're booked for the next one. Yes, I can't wait. Because it's going to be so cold when I leave here and so warm when I get on the cruise. If anybody's interested, I think there's still spots available. You would have to contact Michelle for the current rates. I know the rates that are on the page. Go to horseloverscruise.com. I know the rates that are on the page are not good because that's changing daily now. So, But I do know there's spots available. And it's it's affordable. We're going seven nights on the second largest ship in the world. And, uh, like, you don't have to pack your own saddle no. or your own food or anything. Like, <laughs> I right. spent two weeks packing. And now I just need to pack my clothes. Yep. And they feed you and Your do all the stuff. And go. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> 
that it is a lot of fun. We have a fun as a group. If you've never been on a cruise before, it's fun to go on a cruise with a group for your first time because you, you know people all day everywhere on the ship. And there's always some now. And the other advantage we're going to have this year that we never had before is they've now on their app they have a communication system, so we can actually communicate with each other on our phones now. So when you go do karaoke at night, you can send out a message to everybody and let them know karaoke at ten o'clock. So yeah, we can communicate now. So which was always a problem when you have a group and want to make an announcement. You know, you could never do it. So now we can do it, and uh, we have fun. We eat dinner together every night. It's just a good time. And I, you know, people are asking, are are we going to go or not? I don't know. We'll find out January thirtieth. You know, a week before the cruise leaves. It's going to change a hundred times before now and then. So I'm not even worried about it. It's just going to. It's going to be what it is. So I hope we can go. We have over fifty people signed up this time. That's so awesome. Isn't that crazy? I just love it, and I love that our cruising family just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Because a lot of the previous cruisers go, and we just keep adding people. We just catch up and figure (laughs) out who bought a new horse and all that stuff, and we're all Facebook friends. Some of Jennifer's family's going this time, so we're excited to see them and go go with them. So it's all good. If you want to check it out, go to horseloverscruise.com, and Michelle, our travel agent, her number's on there. Just give her a call or send her, drop her an email, and she'll get you the current rates, and uh, you can join us in February for a seven-night cruise from the second largest cruise ship in the world it's big we've been on this size cruise ship before and it's fun you got you're gonna love it it's double the size of the last one i'm a little scared <laughs> i gotta be honest <laughs> thank you marie for doing this and thank you for being a farm host yeah thank you so much for coming up to see us well thank you marie for putting this all together and inviting everybody out and uh it's been so nice to meet some of our michigan people and it was so funny because this, while everybody was here, we were all camping together for a couple of days. So we did dinners together at night and hang out together during the day. And so we did a trailer tour, which was kind of fun. We went around to each other's trailers and, and everybody's was different. So it was, it was kind of neat this time. Vastly different rigs. We had living quarters of a enormous variety, <laughs> big ones. We had little tiny ones, but little weekenders that were homemade DIY weekenders. And we even had one rig that the truck had a truck camper on it, which you don't see as often. So it was really fun to see the different And it was solutions. a retro truck camper. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah, it a was A lot of different neat. solutions to the, to the same issues. You need a place to sleep. You need a place to make food. You need a place to go potty. Yeah. One. And one of the problems everybody has to solve when they're camping with their horses is flies. Flies in your living quarters and flies on your horse. We've been fighting one in the, here in the camper all morning. Plus, there they have the biggest horse fly I had ever seen yesterday. It was about the size of a quarter. They make them big here in Michigan. <laughs> Affectionately known as the B-52. Oh, my God. Yes. And because there are B-52 as well as other flies in the world, the best way to combat that is with a fly sheet. And, of course, State Line Tack has all the fly sheets you can imagine. And right now they've got fly sheets from Amigo. They've got fly sheets from Tough Rider. They've got fly sheets from Tensington. And they've got fly sheets from Shires. Every imaginable one, even the one that makes your horse look like a zebra. <laughs> you can find all of that and more at www.statelinetack.com. Check them out today. Now, you got to go on a ride yesterday. We alluded to it earlier, and you got to ride one of Marie's horses, and there were about 10 of you that went out. I posted pictures yesterday on our Horses in the Morning page. You'll see it there. But uh, you went out for a little longer than you're used to. How are you feeling today? It was four hours you guys were out there. It was, it was a four-hour ride on Jiggy Goldie. Goldie is very, very attached to her stablemate, Dash. Dash is just as attached to Goldie. 
So if if Goldie got more than about mm, six inches from Dash's bum, she got a little bit upset. So that was a fun learning curve for both of us to help her understand that it was okay to give Dash some breathing space. So there was a little bit of jigging, a little bit of pucking, but we were okay. And uh, it was a beautiful ride. It was just here in Michigan, this particular part that we're in is lots of terrain and it's very rocky ground. So it was fun to ride on something that had just a little bit more challenge than the flat. You had some up and downs, uh, unlike Florida. And I was using borrowed tack. Thank you again, Lynn. My concern being that the girth would fit because all of Lynn's girths are 89 inches long. (laughs) (laughs) And and Goldie is a little itty-bitty quarter horse. So I had the girth on the top hole on both sides and prayed that the girth would be snug enough going up these giant hills. (laughs) And that worked pretty good. But then going down the hills, I was even more concerned. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I'm going to slide right over her neck. (laughs) But it was fine. It all worked out. We went out for about three and a half hours. And we went up and up uphill down Dale, and then we had a little short lunch break. At very wooded, very thick woods. Well, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, thick woods. You can't see three feet. Saw some deer, and Kathleen said there were also snakes, frogs, and a couple of other things, but I missed them all. I didn't see any at all. I saw was the butt in front of me. So it was a really, really fun ride. I enjoyed it. We moved along at a, at a fast walk most of the time, with an occasional gallop up a hill. So that was really fun. I couldn't feel my toes when we got back. <laughs> she, she, she was funny when she got back. She's like, uh, I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my toes at all. <laughs> and I'm used to riding in, in endurance stirrups that have a really wide footbed. And this was regular English stirrups. So my toes were pretty numb and my, my butt was a little sore. But. <laughs> You're not used to riding four hours. Well, that's good practice for the Biltmore when you get that's back. Right. You do your endurance ride. That's right. So, so that was fun for everybody. I hung around here and actually got some work and enjoyed the peace and quiet while you were all gone. There you go. That's what I did. And we got a chance to catch up with a few more of our listeners while we were here, and we'll, we'll be bringing them to you throughout the show. But the first one up is Lori. Well, while the rest are out trail riding, I'm hanging around with Lori, and you're you're an auditor, right? Yes, yeah, I, I am. thought so. Yeah, so uh, we're hanging out here in the cool breeze, in the shade, <laughs> waiting for the rest of them to get back from their long trail ride. And I thought I'd catch up with Lori. Now, Lori had an interesting past career. Tell us about your past career. I was 18 years as a 911 dispatcher. Wow, that's a tough job. <laughs> uh, Emotionally, yeah. You uh, you start to almost, you like, just uh, turn your emotions down. Yeah, you have to. I was a vet tech, and that was actually more stressful. Really? Mm-hmm. Because you're there. You're there. Yeah. You're there, yes. And, you know, it's animals instead of people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so are you a, are you solo or only trail rider? What do you do now? Uh, pretty much only a trail rider, and I used to drive some, but my broke-to-drive horse passed away of old age so Aww. the cart is gathering dust in the barn gathering and dust. we have to train someday. another one someday <laughs> someday well you have a new horse here tell us about the new horse you have here this is firefly and she's a four-year-old mustang and that's why we're not out on the trails she's only been under saddle five times so but didn't you, you tell me firefly had a little bit of something else that you found out in there oh let's see what was it Oh, yes. She's part. <laughs> thank you, Glenn. She supposedly, according to Texas A&M, has hackney in her. Wow. Somehow a hackney got, got into loose. the... <laughs> <laughs> hackney and Holsteiner and uh, 
Highland Pony. Wow, that's weird for a Mustang. Weird combination. And we apologize for the breeze, but it just kicked up right as we started. <laughs> so I'm hoping the mic's deadened it a little bit. So you uh, have you were did you compete before, or are you just trail riding now? What's just the story? Um, basically, the only competition I ever did was hundred paces. Well, tell us a little bit about Michigan. I haven't talked to anybody about this yet. You guys have a large trail riding community up here, from what I see. We do. They do the shortest shore. Um, there's trails all over the place. To the other lake? Yeah, because Lake Michigan to Lake Huron or Lake Huron to Lake Michigan, which is, I have not done yet. That's a hike. Well, it's a great start and a great ending. Part of the middle doesn't look all that great to me. So I might like ride the beginning and ride the end (laughs) and trailer across the middle part. (laughs) And so it's how many days to do it? Uh, They do it in a week. A week? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like fun, though. Is it all trails, or they do have to do some roads? It's all trails. They have to do some roads, which I'm not in love with. I just read The Ride of Her Life, and I was terrified through most of it. Even though I know (laughs) that she makes it to California, I'm still expecting somebody to get killed. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Not for me. Yeah, we've covered a few people over the years that have done that cross-country ride. and uh, It's the people and the traffic and the cars. Yeah, 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 and when she was on bad roads and the cars were sliding, yeah. and yeah, uh, no, yeah, no. no, I, I agree. I, I don't even like riding my bike and ro- narrow. No, I, I'm not a huge fan of road riding. I'm yeah. really not. So part of the yeah, part of the shore to shore does go along some fairly busy roads. So that part I would not enjoy. Do you have a large sport horse community up here in Michigan? Ah, well, if you get back closer to Detroit, then uh, now I worked for, as a kid, as a groom at the Bluefield Open Hunt. Back then we had A-level showing and that type of thing. They sold off a good part of their land. So uh, that's not as active as it used to be. And racing has faded away. So we don't have an, a much of, we have one standard red track left. Wow. But there's still, you know, there's uh, a lot of Western riding, a lot of hunter jumper, a lot of dressage. The only thing you don't see much of around here is saddle seat. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I only know of one saddle seat farm. It's like almost too far lo- north to see that. <laughs> you know, they haven't gone up this way yet. Yeah. But. So what's it been like training the Mustang? Uh, really not bad. She's a level-headed little thing. Her only problem is she's pushy. Mm. She's very, the kid I got her from treated her more like a dog than a horse. Mm. And we're having to teach her that she is a horse and not a dog. Yeah, back She's not a lap that. animal. Yeah. So. Which is great when you're a kid and only want a lap animal, but not yeah. so good if you're trying to do something. <laughs> She's got to learn that the shortest point from A to B doesn't include walking over my body. So. Yeah. And you tried walking her today because you, you've only ridden her a couple of times. So, and this is a long trail ride today. Yeah. In the, you know, oh, in we the would have turned back. I would yeah. still be out there trudging along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it would have been uh, tough to do that. So you walked her along and, and you, that's the one thing you said when you got to the single track. With a pushy horse, that's not good. Yeah. No, she's. we're still working on the you walk behind me on a slack line thing. Yeah. And she's well, getting better. A, that takes a little bit. I mean, you've only had her for a little while. Yeah. She's getting better. Why but, did you pick a Mustang? Um, I just did a bad thing and was bored and sitting on <laughs> You did a horse. Jamie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was cute. Oh, take it home. <laughs> you did a Jamie. <laughs> yeah. I've done that twice. That's how I got my thoroughbred, too. Oh, there you go. You yeah, did a Jamie. Yeah, I was Jamie. still at 911, and I'm, it was a slow day, so I was on the Canter website, and I'm like, oh, my God, she's gorgeous. <laughs> and one of the officers behind me, I'm like, isn't she gorgeous? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I want to go to the track and buy her. And he's like, well, she's so gorgeous. He's like, just print her picture and hang it on your wall. <laughs> he was the smart one. <laughs> he was. Should have listened. <laughs> you should have listened. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us here. Oh, well, it's thank you. It's been fun to see everybody on this trip. Yeah. It's been so much fun. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad you made it here. Today's health segment is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine. 
I'm hanging out here this afternoon with Dr. Rosanna Marsala, and she is from the University of Florida. That's the vet school here in the state of Florida. It's the place to go in the state of Florida if you have issues with your horse. And an article that I saw on thehorse.com caught my eye, and Dr. Marsala had been doing some research into allergies. And one of the things that our horses are allergic to a lot is bug bites, particularly what a lot of us refer to as Swedish. So, Dr. Marcella, thanks for stopping by today. You're very welcome. You're going to help clear up some gray areas for a lot of us horse folks because um, horses get itchy for a lot of reasons, and insect sensitivity is one of the common ones. Is that right? Yes. Uh, In warm climates, like Florida, for example, insect allergy is by far the most common cause for allergies, and allergies are the most common cause for itch. So we see a lot of itchy horses. A lot of itchy horses. So what is the most common biting insect that horses become allergic to? Uh, the most common is culicoides, which is what people refer as, you know, sweet itch as a slang term. And it basically are these biting insects, very, very small, that come out typically at sunset. Um, and they are the most common cause of hypersensitivity in horses. And these horses are very easy to identify because they rub their mane and tail. Um, and so they have specific areas where they tend to be itchy. Um, so they're, they have a very typical distribution of, of lesions. So this is very, very common, particularly in areas, you know, after there's been a bit of rain and there's standing water and so on, because Curicoides needs standing water in order to thrive. Aha. So like like mosquitoes, you're going to find them in areas where you have standing water. Interesting. Yes, so nociam, uh, so the which is another term for culicoides, is a is an insect that doesn't travel long distances, so it stays very close to where there is an area of of standing water, uh, like mosquitoes, and uh, but differently from mosquitoes, it's also a poor flyer, so it doesn't fly very well against the wind. So the the typical situation for nociam to thrive is an area where basically there is moisture and there is no wind, which is north central Florida, for example. You know, yeah, in the summer is, you have this <laughs> yeah, hot, muggy days and no breeze and, you know, high humidity and lots of rain. And so nociums are very, very common. So when somebody has a horse that's itchy, he's been scratching his crest for several days now, but the weather has been cool. Why is it that our horses are scratching when we're not seeing any bugs? How does that work out? Well, a variety of reasons. One is that uh, the allergic reaction built against the saliva of this insect triggers a different type of reaction. One is immediate, which is called type 1, and that occurs within 15 to 20 minutes. And then there is a delayed or late phase, which can occur hours after the, the bite. 
Um, so typically, uh, you know, 12, 24 hours, 48 hours after the, the bite. And this is true for many insect allergies, including, for example, flea allergy in dogs, you know. Uh, and so by the time you go and look, you don't see evidence of a bite, and you may think that your, your animal has some mental problems, but it's not the case. It's that the reaction is a delayed reaction. And then the other thing that frequently happens is that they develop secondary infections. Right, so that even when uh, the 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 bite is stopped, uh, then they if they have a secondary staph infection, that that's enough to keep them itchy, and that's sometimes one of the reasons for why some horses, the really bad ones, may stay symptomatic even after the weather changes, because they have accumulated enough infection, which needs to be treated. So that's going to need to be treated separately from the hypersensitivity itself? Right. So the treatment, in order to be successful, needs to identify the different triggers for itch because itch is multifactorial and additive. Rarely you're just itchy for one reason. Typically you're itchy for multiple reasons and there is a threshold. And so you need to identify as a clinician where the threshold is and what the important factors are. And most of the time, in order to be successful, uh, it's necessary to address the initial trigger, which in this case, let's say, is the inset by and the secondary consequences to this, which is typically the bacterial infection. If you do one without the other, typically you're not successful. So let's say if I just put fly spray, but this horse already has a, a staph infection, just applying the, pl- the fly spray and preventing new bites is not enough to bring in below a threshold. Or if I just treat the infection, but I, cont- uh, I allow additional bites, that's not enough. So most of the time it's necessary to do multiple things in order to make them uh, comfortable. So how, as a horse owner, how am I going to recognize the difference between a horse that has hypersensitivity and he's itching versus a horse that has hypersensitivity, he's itching, but he's also got a separate infection? Is there something visually that a horse owner could see or is that something you need to test for? There's some clues, okay? So typically, if you have scabby skin, that's a sign of infection. So when people, let's say, you start massaging the mane of your horse and you see little uh, scabs and, you know, that you can pull with your fingernails and, you know, flaky skin, dandruff-looking skin, that's infection, okay? So. Okay, so that's basically very, very common. You can see in the main area, but sometimes they have it in the chest. Sometimes they have it um, on on their belly um, because they're like different species of culicoides and different species have preferred feeding sites. Some they go on the ventral midline, so on their belly in the center, you have all those scabs in the center. Um, sometimes they go on their legs, and so they have what people refer as scratches. Um, and so, but every time you see little scabs and uh, dandruff on, on the skin, it's because there is a staph infection. So that's a quick, easy thing for owners to realize that it's, okay, there's something more to it. Then, of course, you can do tests. You can do cytology, but those are like visual clues. So if you have flaky skin and or scabs, it's time to see your veterinarian and get serious about 
fixing the underlying vac- the underlying um, infection, because otherwise all the fly spray in the world is not going to help. That's correct. It's, uh, they, they typically need additional help. And one thing that I guess owners can do while they're waiting to be seen is to uh, go and get some chloroxidine spray. So I want to say, and this is important, iodine is not a good choice. I know many times people use that. It's a, something from the past. and so. But iodine is a poor choice as an antimicrobial. Uh, it's much better to select either a benzoyl peroxide shampoo or a chlorhexidine shampoo. And that's something very easy that owners can do. As a matter of fact, if they own an allergic do- uh, horse, it's very good for them to have that shampoo available. And they can wet the animal, apply the shampoo directly, wait 10 minutes, and then rinse it. And that in itself is going to kill some staphylococcus and make it comfortable. So and then, of course, more th- mm-hmm. if, Go ahead. if someone wants to get these types of shampoo, how would one recognize it? Or is that something they should get from their local veterinarian? Or can you buy it over the shelf? So you you will not find them at the feed store, if that's what you're asking. You can find them online. Of course, veterinarians have those, and they have uh, typically like uh, products that have a better residual activity because they're not all created the same. For example, they've done studies at the chloroxidine, for example. You can have 10 different brands of chloroxidine, and then some are better at staying in solution than others and so typically the the products that the veterinarians will have are like you know the, the ones that have been tested and so on but others you can find on I hate to say on the internet you know so you could uh, google you know chloroxidine shampoo for horses and you would have a, a variety of choices now is it owner you may not know which one is the better one but at least you can get started while you're waiting to consult with your with your vet but veterinarians do carry uh this type of antimicrobial shampoos and you will not be able to find them uh, over the counter in the average feed store so that's something if you're a little bit unsure at the very least consult your veterinarian and get a brand name that you could buy over the counter would be a really smart solution there. Absolutely. And then the other thing that I'd like to say is that uh, the the pH and the uh, of uh, horses uh, skin is different from the one for human skin, and the same is true for dogs. So that is why it's important not to use a human product. Um, so as ha- as strange as it sounds, but the human products are harsher. Really? Uh, because yes, because human skin is is thicker, it's actually greasier. I know it makes no sense to us how that could be, but for example, if I use a benzoyl peroxide shampoo just to make a name, um, the human products are like ten percent. Five percent is what they call sensitive skin. But if I were to put that on a dog, I would irritate the skin. Same is for a horse. Because um, animals need something like 2.5 percent. So they need a much uh, milder product. So I think it's very important for people to consult with their vet and get that knowledge rather than to assume that, oh, if it's good for people, it's going to be good for my pet. Because it's not... Typically, it's not the case. 
Well, that's enlightening. Good to know. Now I'm going to have to go and call my veterinarian and say, okay, where, what's, what's, what's a good chlorohex? And it's chlorohexidine, not Clorox, right? Yes. No, no Clorox. I beg okay. you, no. Chlorohexidine. <laughs> chlorohexidine. <laughs> it's different. So yes. stay away from the betadine yes. shampoo and go with a chlorohexidine yes. active ingredient or benzoyl peroxide active ingredient. Yes. Got it. Okay. So I'm, t- I'm taking notes here. So. We've got that. We've got the horse has got itchy spots and all the classic spots, but I don't have any flaky skin yet, or maybe I do have some flaky skin yet. Step one, periodically shampoo that horse with one of these products. Now, let's say your veterinarian is on vacation for the next 10 days and he can't come out. Um, Mm -hmm. How frequent might someone want to do this? Is there such a thing as giving them too many baths with this type of product? Uh, yes, and it depends on the skin, okay? I'll give you an example. So some of these products, like benzoyl, is very drying. So if I am starting with a crusty, greasy horse, no problem. I could do this maybe every third day, every other day. But if the skin is already dry, then once a week, because if I do it more often, then it's too much. And you will know because once you are done with the shampoo, the, the horse is going to be more itchy and the skin is going to be even more flaky, so more dry. And so the thing to do that at that point would be to use some conditioner. And the way you can do conditioner, you can either get some oatmeal product. You know, there are many uh, option available, options available. And, uh, or maybe even do uh, like a homemade uh, conditioner, having some uh, baby oil or some form of, you know, humectant uh, or moisturizer as a final rinse. Because basically dry skin is itchy. We all know that, right? So if you're drying the skin too much, that, you know, you make it worse than what it is. So it really depends on the condition of the skin. If people don't know, I would say once a week. Okay, so once a week is mm-hmm. is a ballpark, plus or minus, depending yes. upon how dry your horse's skin. That makes sense, though. Uh, our our pony, who tends to be sensitive to bug bites, has naturally dry skin. He's just dry skinned all the time. So we would have to be very careful not to do it too often again. And that's, that's a good, good to note because it would never have occurred to me that, okay, I gave him a, I gave him a shampoo with a horse specific chlorohexidine shampoo, but golly, now he's itchier. It would never have occurred to me that, oh, maybe I'm doing this too much. So good to know. Now, one final ingredient in this whole thing is trying to to add one more thing. If you allow me. So for one, for your pony, you know, to use a, a oatmeal conditioner afterwards. And then importantly, I would like to for people to know, in humans as well as in animals, allergic skin is drier than normal skin. So that is why, for example, in people, you have to be very careful what kind of detergent you use, what kind of soap, what kind of fabric, and so on. Same is true for animals. So if your pony is prone to allergies is more likely to overreact to uh, things, you know, from the spray to the shampoo. So so it's very important to always use, like, hypoallergenic products. So this is kind of like a general rule. Good to know. See, again, just because my horse had an insect hypersensitivity, it would not have occurred to me that he's likely to be more sensitive to other things. 
So now I'm going to have to take all that smelly shampoo and set it aside for the horses who don't have sensitivities and get some nice hypoallergenic stuff for Scooter. Now, one more ingredient to this whole puzzle is, okay, the horse is hypersensitive to these bugs. How can we help discourage those bugs from biting them to begin with? Well, so a couple of things. Uh, for one, repellent, and I like to point out that uh, there are several products out there that call themselves repellent, but they're not, okay? And unfortunately, for uh, the average owner, how would they know the difference? And that's, once again, they need to get that information from their, their vet. So I'll, I'll make it very simple. Most of the products out there are not strong enough to be repellent. They are insecticide, but not repellent. What's the difference? If I, an insecticide, it means that if a fly is on the horse and I soak that fly in the spray, it dies. That's an insecticide, so I kill it. But an allergic horse needs more. It needs from that fly, for that fly not to land on the horse in the first place. So you need a repellent. In order to be a repellent, you need to have some characteristics, particularly to be a long-lasting repellent. Because many products can be uh, repellent for a very short period of time, so it basically becomes clinically relevant. I'll make an example. Clinically relevant would be something like, uh, for, the, for the life in Florida, it would be, for example, citronella. So, yes, it is a repellent in a sense, but unless you want to be there and spend the rest of your day spraying this horse all the time, it may not be strong enough to make a dent in preventing bites. Okay, so same is true if I use some something that is very low percentage or pyrethrin or permethrin. It's an insecticide. It's not a repellent. And this is where I see a lot of frustration in horse owners because they're doing what they think is the best. They are applying the fly spray. They think that they're using a repellent, but they're not. So in order to be a repellent, you want something like a 1% per metron or a synthetic derivative. So options, I, I, I hate to mention names, but just to help, so good options would be like Tritec or Endure. Those type of products are actually effective repellent, but they need to be used more often than what it says on the bottle in a place like Florida. Hmm? Because with the the moisture, the rain, the sweat, and so on, they will not last the two weeks or three weeks that it says on the bottle. No, we need them not. more often. <laughs> right, right. So, so I mean, it, it, everything again. This is a, a, a an answer biased by the fact that I practice in Florida. I'm sure that there are other parts of the country in which that could be sufficient. But in a challenging place like Florida, you need to go for the, the, the stronger options and apply it generously every day. If people want to go botanical, neem oil is an effective repellent. It's a repellent for mosquitoes. It's a repellent for noceums. The other thing that helps is... Uh, management issues. So these insects are most active at night from sunset to sunrise. So in an ideal world, which may not be feasible for most owners, the horse should be inside in front of a fan at night. Typically in Florida, it's the opposite. People put the horses out at night, right? Because it's cooler. But that's also... so. 
Right. But if they do that, then that's the time that they really need to load up on the fly spray because that's the feeding time for the noceums, right? So if they cannot stay inside in front of a fan, because again, noceum is poor flyers. So if the horse is parked in front of a fan, it's not getting the bites. Uh, so if they are not inside, then they need to be sprayed at the time that they are turned out. Um, so that's one thing. Then the allergic horse should have the paddock the farthest away from standing water. So that if there are multiple options on the farm, the allergic one, the farthest away from any body of standing water. So these are like little things that can be done to minimize the bites. Well, that's that's practical and, and very, very useful. The I didn't know the difference. I knew there was a difference between an insecticide and a repellent. But I only knew that, yes. that there was a difference because one re- label says one and one label says the other, and some labels say both. But apparently you, you need to pay close attention to the repellent part. Yes. Read the, read the ingredients. So besides the name, because unfortunately there is not as, as strict of a control on what what can be written on the bottle, but I encourage owners to read what there is. If it's something like 0.1 pyreter and 0.1% per meter, and that's okay for the average horse. So it's not okay for the allergic, it's not sufficient for the allergic horse. So I think there's a difference. One thing is how to do some general control of flies, you know, and that's okay. But if you own an allergic one, uh, you need to be above and beyond that. That's true for horses, true for dogs, and so on. So it's a different level of, of approach. And then one more suggestion that I found very helpful, and I want to say I have zero uh, stock of financial interest in any of these things that I am suggesting, but I can tell you out of my own experience, there is a machine, it's called Mosquito Magnet, that people can buy online, and you can put different attractants in it, and uh, you can basically attract mosquitoes or noceums and this and that. And if you are in an area that is absolutely loaded with it, I live on a river, okay? Oh, so, my. Uh, it, <laughs> so, okay, so it's, and, with the, you know, and then the river floods, and so there is wetland, and I, I let you imagine what the summer looks like. So um, if you have these machines and you can have the cordless ones and position them close to the area that you want to clear so that they kind of the insects will go toward the machine rather than feeding on your horses, uh, then you can, over time, uh, decrease the amount, the, the, the general burn of insects. So that's one thing that I encourage people to to consider. And then lastly, one thing that is frequently forgotten is the head. So when when we spray horses, we are good at spraying the body, right, the neck and the legs and so on, but nobody sprays the head really very much. So uh, And there are some species of noceums that like to feed on the face and the ears. Matter of fact, I'm sure you've seen those allergic horses where they have all these crusty ears, and that's yeah. noceum allergy as well. So I, I, I'm not in support of fly masks, 
because the fly mask basically trapped the moisture, so horses sweat underneath, or if they're turned out, then it rains in the middle of the day, and then it can the skin cannot dry up, stays moist, and then they get infections on. But what I encourage people to do is to get, there are several spot-ons uh, with permethrin, that they can buy at this feed store and that you can apply this little pipette of concentrated permethrin in the pole area behind the ears so that it doesn't drip in the front and that will repel the insects from the face and the ears. And so that's a way to kind of like provide protection for that area because some some species of culicoides like to target the face. Yes, we've all seen our horses standing around. We've all seen horses somewhere in the country. We're at a horse show or visiting friends or in your own backyard. The horse is standing there and he's got this little swarm of itsy-bitsy, tiny, flea-sized bugs buzzing around his head. Yes. Oh, that's yes. irritating. Well, that's all very yes. useful and very helpful information Dr. Marsala, for folks who have questions and want to follow along with your research, is there a place that they can contact you? Yes, I uh, I am brave as much to give you my email address. <laughs> uh, so Durham is very visual, and so I encourage people to, to connect if they have specific questions that they cannot be addressed with their local vet or for their local vet to approach me. And it's my last name, M-A-R-S-E-L-L-A, at U. FL, like University of Florida, .edu. That's the best way to, uh, to approach me. And if you can't remember that, because that's a lot of letters to remember while you're driving down the road or cleaning stalls and listening to this show, if yes. you just go to the University of Florida, you'll find her, because yes. that's how I found her. <laughs> yes, yes, University of Florida. So, uh, you know, I am housed in the small animal department, but I do see horses every Monday. And so if you go under dermatology and Marcella, so many times people spell it with a C, but it's an S, and then you'll find me. Very good. I've been there for a while. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Marcella. This has been a fascinating uh, discussion, and thanks a lot for spending some time with me today. And I'm happy to be joined by Janet Geyer, the mad scientist behind Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds. And she's going to explain to us why there are no pellets in her horse feed. So if you open yourself up a bag of Daily Dose Equine Horse Feed, it's going to look a little different. And I want to know why. Well, first of all, we decided not to make any pellets out of our horse feed. And the reason is, is that pellets are typically made of wheat. Um, and to make a pellet, you need to basically extrude the horse feed. So it's a processing issue. So if you want to have basically a whole food that's not so processed, you wouldn't want to make a pellet. So that's one reason. Another reason is, is that pellets often hide the ingredients that are in there. They can hide taste, and uh, they can certainly hide ingredients, and you really don't know what's in there. Um, with our feed, we want you to see all the ingredients. So we've made a textured feed and sometimes we grind it up and sometimes it does look a little powdery. Um, but the reason for that is we want to mix the vitamins and minerals thoroughly in the product without creating more processing. So that is the reason why we do not use pellets. 
And the reason we don't use wheat is because wheat has been linked to a lot of health issues. So we want to stay away from modern wheat. We want to stay away from uh, the glyphosate that is or used to grow the modern wheat and uh, make it a lot more simple. So you mechanically alter some of the ingredients by grinding them up. But that is very, very we different do. than creating a pellet, which is, which requires heat and pressure. It does. Exactly. There, there we go. So, so that, that makes a big difference. So when you open up that bag of Daily Dose Equine Horse Feed and it looks a little different, there's an important reason. Because there's an important reason for everything that Janet does to her horse feeds. And our goal here is to quiz her about as many of those as we can. And if you want to learn more about Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds or find a retailer near, near you, just go to www.dailydoseequine.com. Or if you want to purchase some directly online and get fast and convenient shipping, just go to Chewy.com. And I think it's six six of the different horse feed formulas are on there now? Correct. There we go. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but on the Facebook page, we posted an Uncle Jimmy's video. We did a tribute to him down at the Lexington meetup in Lexington, Kentucky. So we did a little tribute to Uncle Jimmy because we lost him a couple of weeks before this roadshow. And, and of course, Uncle Jimmy's Products is one of our sponsors. We're looking forward to seeing them uh, coming up here a week from now. We'll be at Uncle Jimmy's and, and touring the warehouse and everything. And, and they, they actually make the hanging balls and stuff there. So maybe we'll make a hanging ball. <laughs> maybe I'll make Scooter a hanging ball. Oh, my God. We may have to make them a little hanging ball for pony size hanging ball, but we're looking forward to that. And Uncle Jimmy's squeezy buns have been a hit. I'm telling you, we have given them to every horse we've seen, and every horse has loved them. Nobody has turned away a squeezy bun. They're kind of universal. Yeah. yeah. So if you need something, and they're squishy and they're individually wrapped. So if you need something to put a pill in or give medicine that way, these are the perfect things because you can kind of mold them around them, uh, just break them in half and mold them around them, and it works great. Uncle Jimmy's squeezy buns, look for them in a store near you or go to uncle-jimmies.com. Well, somebody else we got to see up here is somebody we've seen quite a bit, and that's Lynn. Lynn is one of our terrific auditors and a listener for a very long time and a fellow cruiser from the Horse Lovers Cruises. So let's hear from Lynn. Well, I'm sitting here with an old friend still uh, in Michigan. We're still sitting beside the horses. Uh, it is absolutely beautiful day. The horses are in pens literally right beside us. We're at this campground, and the trail ride just finished. But Lynn uh, is an old friend. She's been on cruises with us before. And you're a driver in the past. You were riding today, but you've driven a lot of places. Yes, and that was actually how I found Horse Radio Network was I was not a member of the ADS, but every once in a while I'd poke around on their website just to see. And I saw this little tile off to the side that said Driving Radio Show. And I went, hmm, that's, what is that? And I clicked on it, and there you were. And that was how Dr. I Wendy discovered I. you. Yep. Yeah. And so from then, I, I I did end up joining the ADS, and my first big adventure was down to Aiken, South Carolina, where I met Glenn and Dr. Wendy. That was for the con- uh, convention, the ADS yeah, convention, Yeah, their, right? their annual, you know. We did a parade and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Oh, yeah, oh, it was awesome. Yeah, 40 carriages from two foreign hands down to minis. It was and, awesome. And that's a drive, people. She lives in freaking Michigan. <laughs> so. It was, but, you know, I, you know. 
I wasn't retired yet at the time. I am now. But um, my goal was to, you know, go, go cool places and ride my horse or drive my horse. So that was my first opportunity. And it was so easy. It was just like you write a check. They tell you where to go, where, when to be there. They throw very cool parties. And I really miss that. I hope they start doing that again. I, I want another adventure. I think 2022. We'll see. Yeah. So, so do you, where other places have you taken your carriage? Um, I, the first one was Aiken. The second one was was Acadia. Oh, in Maine. In Maine. That was there. that, you know, that is go. carriage driving Mecca, and that was on the it bucket so list. so beautiful up there. That was awesome. And a woman that lives in my general vicinity, Barb Chapman, is very active in the driving community. She's an event, um, inventor, a combined driver, um, uh, eventing on wheels. Um, so anyway, she was getting an award uh, at the at the Acadia dinner, so that was kind of cool. And um, then the other place I've been was Southern Pines, yeah. where you were just yeah. at. Southern Pli- Southern Pines was lovely. It, um, it's neat. It's completely different than Aiken. You know, it's yeah. weird how different the two are. And people think they're a lot alike, but they're not. Well, they are in that the, they're, you know, horsey, dri- horsey yeah, yeah. And, and very driving friendly. So, you know, that's not uh, all that common. So. All right. I'm going to I'm going to give up uh, a secret here. There is a dog staring at me <laughs> panting and just dropped a Frisbee on my foot. So tell us about the puppy. This is Daisy. She is a uh, cattle dog shepherd mix. She's definitely a cattle dog. And yeah, she and she's Frisbee and ball obsessed. You are. You and very insistent. Keep throwing it at me. <laughs> That's funny. She loved to play. Well, they haven't had a proper walk in several days. So, <laughs> we usually walk anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half every day. Well, now you have a Morgan. Tell us a little bit about your horse. Um, his name is Ringo. He's 19 now. I got him in 2008, and he was actually my husband's horse, and my husband has now passed away. Um, and he is the last horse I have at the moment. I am looking to get probably a retired standard bred because I want another driving horse. And even though uh, Mr. Ringo is a uh, Morgan, he's gated, he will never make a driving horse because he's just too squirrely. (laughs) (laughs) He did very well on the trail ride today, though. He was nice. Yeah, I heard. Uh, He was great. Yeah, he was good. He was like Steady Eddie. But yeah, he's been um, spinning around in circles in his little pen there for... He's quieted down now. He's tired. Yeah, I think we took I think we took a little starch out of him. Well, thanks, Lynn, for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening all these I, years. Oh, it's been great, and I've loved the cruises and uh, the Facebook page. And said being in the auditor Facebook page, I said it's like family, only better because they're not family. <laughs> Well, our final interview that we're going to bring to you from our listeners, of course, this trip is all about listeners, so we're trying to bring you as many interviews from listeners as possible because they're fascinating. Our listeners are so diverse. We have the most diverse group of listeners, from doctors and lawyers to house cleaners to just everything. We've got them. Everything, but with one thing in common. The horse. And Kathleen, you've heard on this show, if you listen to the driving show at all, she's been coming on for the past three years. And she gets kind of gives us our history lesson on driving from the Carriage Association. And she was the one that uh, sponsored our meetup here on Saturday night. But she also rides horses and uh, in addition to driving horses. So I got to catch up with her a little bit about riding horses in Michigan. Well, here's a voice that you're all going to be familiar with if you listen to every episode of Horses in the Morning for the last... 
How many years? Three years now. Three years, is it? Really? Yeah. And that's Kathleen from The Driving Show. Of course, she's with the Carriage <laughs> Association of America, and she was very kind to put us up and help us out with the Lexington meetup, which was a lot of fun. But then we show up in Michigan, and we drove six, eight hours to get here. By the way, all that noise is Jennifer working on uh, getting into her horse. <laughs> so uh, through the gate. But and if you hear a little wind, it's because we're outside. But you, we show up, drive uh, six, eight hours that day, and here you are. You're here in yes. Michigan. <laughs> yes, we came to ride this time. No driving involved, and uh, we didn't know the drivers did that. See, yes. I thought they were like me and didn't ride it. No, yeah. no, most of us started out riding, and and then. Said ouch and, and started driving. <laughs> <laughs> After that ride today, you're probably saying ouch again. You guys went on a long time. So, what kind of horse do you have? So, I have a, a grade quarter horse. He is a buckskin, um, but he is definitely built like a tank and like an old like style yeah. quarter horse. He's 15, 3, 19 years old. Um, this was our first trail ride. Uh, with a group. We've been out with his uh, travel companion, but this was the first time with a group, and he did fabulous. Um, he is a, a horse that uh, used to be uh, have a real Western pleasure walk trot, and and uh, we he had some tummy problems, and we've gotten that fixed. And, man, he had a ranch walk today, <laughs> power walking up there, just owning that hill. And he was like, I got it. <laughs> Um, he's over there yawning at me right now. Oh, he's going to sleep. Good. You're all going to sleep good. Yes. Right? <laughs> but uh, he, Horses and people. <laughs> yeah. He had a good time. He had a very good time today. And uh, so it was, and he enjoyed the creek. Yeah. You guys were in a creek for a while, weren't you? We were. They called it the, the river and then there's a creek. I, I'm not quite sure what the difference is here, but um, it, it wasn't very deep. <laughs> and nobody laid down, which well, is good. It was good, but they all had a good splash and, and uh, a little jump out. And uh, they had a good time in that. So. Did you used to show uh, riding? Yes. What did you show? I showed English and Western. Um, my parents showed uh, at the national level Appaloosas and Quarter Horses um, up through the 70s. And so I was in the ring pretty much before I could walk, and, and, you know, doing lead line. And then uh, coming up through 4-H, I went to state uh, for English and uh, I also did, uh, I won a lot of silver in Western. <laughs> so do you, uh, you also do something that's a little bit different than other people do. Tell us about your other riding activity. Uh, are we talking about the medieval games? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so I got into the medieval games because I liked mounted archery. And that's part of one of the things that they do. Uh, and so I do do that. Uh, I do several different games within it. There is one that's uh, kind of like polo. Uh, it's a kind of a cross between, uh, it's a cross between lacrosse and polo. And Didn't they used to do that with heads, like goat heads and stuff in the old days? Yeah, and then they do one with a goat, too. Yeah. I don't do the one in the goat because he's six. He's 15'3", and I can't reach the goat that's on the ground. It's a it's a fake goat. Okay. Before anybody worries. <laughs> yes. No, in the old days, in the medieval times, they did use a real goat head. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they smacked around. Yeah. But we don't uh, do that anymore. No, no. In no. the game, the uh, Bishkowski game uh, with with the figure of the goat, we don't use a real goat there either. Um, and then we do a... Goats uh, got picked on a lot in medieval yeah, times. Yeah, <laughs> they really did. And then we do, I think it's called Birja. It's B-I-R-J-A. And so you ride up to a ring that's suspended and you have a stick in your hand and you toss the stick kind of through the ring 
and you have to catch it on the other side. Really? Yes. And this horse happens to be Well, that's to way too much hand-eye coordination for me. <laughs> I know. Once you get it, though, like, you get it. And particularly with this horse, he's very smooth. And, and once we got our timing down, I could do it at a canner even. Wow. I, I was like... I've seen, you know, jousting with the rings, but this is a whole other level. Yeah, yeah. I, but... Uh, and, and when you get it the first time, you, like, get goosebumps because you're like, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you crash into the next one. Yeah. <laughs> so I assume it's a series of them in a row for time? You can. Yeah. Um, we, I don't have that many of them, so we just we ride in a circle around it and, uh, you know, go at different gates and, and try to see how many. I think I caught it 20 times in a row. Um, last year, we did a, a virtual challenge. And all of these things are based on what the knights used to do to practice, right? Right, yeah. right. And we've talked about before yeah. with the driving, how the carousel carriages go back, or sleighs go back into it and the whole deal. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, we were just at a jousting clinic, or medieval games clinic on uh, Saturday before we had the uh, event at the CAA office. And and uh, we did jousting, we did the rings, we do things called the heads, um, which is actually with magnetic little poles now, not actual human heads. Uh, it's good they, they, fr- they frown on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, some reason. N- no blood involved. I don't know. People aren't any fun anymore. <laughs> and uh, Quintain. Uh, Quintain I really enjoy. Now, to explain that, what that is. So Quintain is basically hitting a shield that is on a pivot. And so it's jousting without hitting a person. But it comes around. Yes. And you if you don't get dally. out of the way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you don't know what it is, watch Knight's Tail, and, and he gets hit in the back multiple yeah. times. <laughs> now, we don't hit each other or, you know, hit with the back, but you could potentially. Um, with the, the head, with reeds, if you hit it too hard with the sword and your horse is a really long-bodied one, sometimes the reed head, which is on a string, comes around and boops your horse in the rear, and, and they move faster that way. <laughs> so you have to, have to plan ahead, um, or just not hit, this, hit it so hard. So the amount of games are a lot of fun. But uh, we had a blast today, and, and he's been a good boy, and, and so I'm looking forward to being able to do more things once we get done with this COVID thing. Very good. Well, Kathleen, thank you for being on the show all the time. I mean, you're on every month. And it's always so fascinating because you put so much research and you know so much about the history of everything. So that's kind of cool. And you talk more than just about carriages. We talk about all kinds of historical stuff uh, that, you know, when you think about it, anything before 1880 was all carriages. I mean, you either rode them or you drove them. Right. We were just talking, not to... But I'm researching right now the Chicago exhibition, which is the World Fair in 1893. You have to figure Michigan was only a, uh, still a, being settled in 1873. So, you know. <laughs> there you go. This was still wilderness then. <laughs> and uh, by the way, that noise you hear is Goldie whacking her tail on the, on the gate. <laughs> They're in little paddocks right beside us. They're so, having a good time. Yeah. But thank you. You're welcome. So we are in day 11. Jennifer is still with me. She hasn't flown home yet. Uh, are you missing your pony? Yes. But we've heard people have been asking because we said that he was lame before we left. You're getting reports that he's pretty sound now, right? Nigel, we're talking about. <laughs> Nigel, yes. For those yes. who are new listeners, Nigel, yeah. I got a text from Dawn, the gal who is taking care of him and riding him while we're away, that the day after we left, of course, the day after we left, he went sound, and she's been taking him out according to his work schedule. So I'm crossing my fingers that he stays that way. 
And from what I hear, a Scooter is just being Scooter at home. He's eating carrots. He's Happy enjoying cable. life. Uh, he's hanging out, wishing he had more grass. It's just Scooter. That's what Scooter does. Scooter hangs out and enjoys life. That's, yes, it's just, that's what he does. Life is a party. And our neighbor, so our landlords take care of the ponies uh, when we're away. So they're taking care of Scooter while Nigel's off at training camp. And our other neighbor that's right across from Sco- Shannon, who's right across from Scooter. I mean, literally, Scooter sees them come home about 10 feet away. And uh, Shannon comes over every night and gives them carrots. And she gives me regular reports on, she calls him the land shark. He's the baby land shark. Yes. <laughs> yes. So thank you, Shannon, for giving regular updates on, our, on the little land shark. We appreciate it. And there was a Mustang here yesterday. I have to say, you heard about him a little bit earlier. But there was a Mustang here that uh, is quite unique and has some hackney blood in him and stuff. And that was the quietest new Mustang I've ever seen. <laughs> Just hung out, never well, whinnied. She's not really new. She's She's been um, owned by a human being and and gentled for some time, but she's relatively new to her current. But she owner. was chill, so chill. She was very, she was <laughs> one of the most chill horses all, all weekend. Yeah, all, of yeah. all of them here, yeah. she was one of the most chill. She made the quarter horses look nuts. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty cool. But we've had a pretty good trip. You know, our motto is we're going to have fun or it's going to be a disaster or we're, it's going to be disastrously fun. So far, knock, I'm knocking on wood. It's been pretty fun, <laughs> and we haven't seen the disasters yet. More fun than disaster thus far. Yeah. Yes. I don't even know. where I was trying to think so I could share with you guys. By the way, hang on, auditors, for a post-show. We're, we, have, we, we need to talk about that bet that you guys all have, and we're going to give you some... Uh, we're going to give you some of the lessons we've learned in the post-show. But right now, I think that uh, it's been a pretty good trip so far. We haven't had really anything major break. Uh, it's you know, been working it, out. Really, really shouldn't I ta- be saying I ta- this. I ta- it doesn't I matter. You should not be saying this. <laughs> should so, not. But all those people who were rooting for disasters, I'm sorry, we can't help you yet. But who knows? We still, we're still. we only 11 days in, so yeah, we have a few more weeks to go. This. Stop, Stop. <laughs> and I please verify that I have been driving. All the videos will make it look like I don't do any driving. I want you to not drive anymore. <laughs> because every time you get behind the wheel, we have traffic tie-ups, we have rain. We construction. Have heavy, construction, heavy traffic. It all happens the minute you sit in the when, car. Don't. Jennifer gets these easy stretches and then I get behind the wheel. I drive like, for six hours, you drive for 35 minutes. I know. And it, it's, invariably, it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> So I get those those kind where it's narrow lanes and all that in the rain. But I have been driving, and uh, that's been good. We got to see a lot of rural Michigan uh, and Ohio, a lot of rural Ohio, actually, coming up through. And one thing we learned is Ohio roads are great. Michigan, not so much. We go across the line. Literally, there was the sign, and we went from smooth road to... <laughs> so, Michigan, you got some work to do to catch up on Ohio on roads. We're next up, we are heading out tomorrow to see our friend Frankie Lovato over at Equisizer, and he's the one that makes the Equisizers, and of course, uh, ex-jockey, and been coming on our shows for 10 years, and we're going to spend a night with him, and then this weekend, I'm heading over to one of my mentors, Dave Jackson's, and I'm going to be playing little, uh, hanging around and playing podcasting this weekend with my podcasting friends while you take a day or two off. Yeah. You're going to get a break from me. Yeah. And I think she needs that. Tomorrow is Mary Kitz Miller and Jennifer, and they have a brand new episode for you that they recorded earlier. And then Friday, hopefully, Jamie is back, and we'll have uh, some really bad ads and a regular show for you on Friday, and maybe a little interview with our friend Frank Lovato. In the meantime, 
Take care, everybody. Be safe. And auditors, hang on.